Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Miriam Kindle, Senior Vice President of Marketing at MakeSpace. She explores the wide-ranging role she has with the brand, as well as her time at Under Armour. She also discusses her involvement with the nonprofit Play Like a Girl. AJ ponders a turtleneck, and Vincent wears a nice suit jacket for once. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of The Marketing Stir. That's why I'm here. Why else would I be here? Ladies and gentlemen, it's so great to have you the Marketing Stir brought to you by Starista. Starista, identity marketing company. We have our own business data, consumer data. We help you market to that data. Give us your first party data. We will enrich it. If it needs enhancement, if it's garbage, we will make it not garbage. How about that? We have our own DSP. We can help with OTT, CTV, enough about me. But if you want, please reach out to me. Vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am in our services. I just gave the world, well, most of the world, my email address. The other thing that I'm confident about is this next gentleman. My ride or die, as I describe him. It's a weird thing to describe your CEO. I get it. I, I know. But he is my you know, co-host on this adventure of the Marketing Stir, the co-founder and CEO of Starista. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's up, AJ? Hey, Vincent. I, I like your uh, suit jacket today. It's uh, different than your dad shirts. Yes, yes. Often I do own a lot of dad shirts from this dad section at Kohl's. That's where you get those. There's a whole section that just says, you're a dad now. So just wear a shirt that says Florida on it. Not Disney World, just plain old Florida. I get it. Yeah, I'm dressed up. I got you know, I'm dressed up uh, for our guest. I'm dressed up for networking events. I just like getting dressed up. It makes me feel like I am back at work and I'm talking to people. I see you didn't get the memo. Uh, no, I, I did not. <laughs> I, I, I thought you just did it to make me look bad. Yes, yes. You know, AJ, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have on a, a T-shirt that says Tarista Tennis and, you know, that's it. But that's, that's you. You're the brains of the operation. I have to make up for it with flair, with a lot of flair. Yeah, without a haircut, I'm just going for the CEO look at this point. So That's it. Next thing you're going to have a, a hoodie on or a turtleneck <laughs> like, like Zuckerberg and uh, Jobs. Oh. That's okay. I don't need you to dress nice. I need you to keep doing what you're doing as our CEO. Well... I think we have an exciting guest today who might match your energy. I love it. That's why I had to dress up. I, I'm extra energetic today. I'm extra happy to have this guest on. Not because, not only because I, I like talking to her, but I love this company, Make Space. It is called Make Space. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about it. And we have the Senior Vice President of Marketing with us today. Calling in from my old neck of the woods, Port Chester, Greenwich, Connecticut area, ladies and gentlemen, Miriam Kendall. What's up, Miriam? Hey, guys. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. It's, we're happy to have you. I can't wait to talk about Make Space, and then I, I can't wait to tell you about 
because you're new to that area. You were formerly a native, uh, you know, New Yorker, right? A Manhattanite, if you will. We've actually moved around quite a bit. We were in New Jersey right before this and Baltimore before that and a few other places around the world. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you, you've settled on, uh, you know, Greenwich, Connecticut. Love it. I'm from Porchester, right on, on the border there. Great schools, great area. I, I love it. So was that a result of the, uh, you know, current times in 2020 or you always wanted to live there and you said, let's do it now? Um, I will say that COVID enabled us to move. I have a son who's a senior in high school and I would have never moved in without COVID because, because of COVID, everything's up in the air. And so it doesn't really matter where you're going to school. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So enough about that. I want to know about you and MakeSpace. So tell us and the audience about MakeSpace, Miriam. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm the Senior Vice President of Marketing at MakeSpace. And what MakeSpace is, is it's a tech-enabled on-demand storage company. And what does that mean? That means what we do is you make an appointment with MakeSpace, either on the phone or online. We come out to you. We take all of your stuff that you want to store. We bring it back to a secure storage facility. We take a photo inventory of all your items. We upload it on an app. And when you want something back, you just use the app and we bring it back to you. So we've really revolutionized the whole self-storage industry. We tried to make it as seamless and as easy as possible. And uh, in COVID times, it's actually been, been really wonderful. Yeah, and, and I want to touch about, upon that as well. And I, I love the concept of this because you don't have to drive. Every movie you see out there or TV show, they're going to like, an outdoor storage space and there's never anything good when you open it. That's where there's like, Oh, there's a body in there. Like something's happening in that storage space. So just the fact that you don't have to rent one of those that you don't have to bring your stuff there, I think is great. And you don't have to, you don't have to rent an entire one for, you know, your old vinyl records, for example. Yeah, actually, Vincent, we just did some videos for Halloween on scary storage experiences, which is just exactly that. Like, those are really spooky, crazy experiences that people have in those dark, dingy places. And there's none of that with MakeSpace. You never have to visit one if you don't want to. That's awesome. They'll have to, people have to check that out on MakeSpace.com. And, and Miriam, tell us about your role specifically. You mentioned Senior Vice President of Marketing, but some of your day-to-day. -day. Yeah, well, so... Marketing, as you know, is like very um, diverse. Um, so I get into the technical aspects of acquisition marketing from paid social, paid search, um, affiliate marketing, um, onto the brand side as well, making commercials for TV as well as videos for YouTube, um, and PR. I get into partnerships. Um, so just across the board, email, you name it. Miriam, how did you get into marketing in the first place? Well, it's funny. I actually never considered myself a marketer until like a few years ago. Um, I started my career in consulting, and I always thought of myself as a customer strategist, which sounds like marketing, but in, in customer strategy, you actually talk to you know people in technology and retail and call centers, and you realize like the number of people that actually touch a customer um, and influence that decision to purchase or not purchase your product or service. Um, so like I say, I, I never really thought of myself as a marketer, but, but now that I'm in it, it's, it's fantastic. 
You know, you worked at one of my favorite shoe brands, Under Armour. Tell me a little bit about what uh, that experience was like. Intense. I, I loved it. It's uh, super competitive. It's um, uh, everything moves a mile a minute. And while it's a large company, it operates a little bit scrappy and like a smaller company. They love to like test and learn. It's very like fast moving. Um, you know, it's also like super competitive. So if you wore a Nike shirt on campus, you could just get fired that day. <laughs> that's a good that's, time for sure. That's crazy. Yeah, one of my favorite brands as well. Uh, so Miriam, tell us about, you know, as much as you can, how was this started, Make Space? Is it like a frustrated New Yorker like myself where there's never space for anything? And he or she was just like, you know what? I, there has to be a better solution. Talk to me about it. That's exactly right, Vincent. Um, so our found- <laughs> I have guess. the brains to the operation, AJ, you see? <laughs> so our founder, Rahul Gandhi, um, and a couple of other co-founders, actually after Hurricane Sandy, had this experience of they had to um, renovate their places and so they had to store their stuff. And they realized how awful they experienced it, especially like downtown Manhattan, like where um, you don't even own a car. So you've got to go rent a car. You got to take your stuff. You got to like wrap it up and pack it. And then you go out to some storage unit in some, you know, seedy neighborhood somewhere. And they only have, you know, a, a facility that's twice as big as you want. So you just have to pay for whatever is available at the time. And um, and, and there's no service whatsoever. It is all on you. And, and, you know, and especially for people living in dense cities, it's just such an awful, unpleasant experience. And it can be super um, expensive to do. But with MakeSpace, you know, we come to you, we do everything for you, and, um, and you only pay for the storage that you use, no matter how much you have, no matter how big or how small. Um, so yeah, so it's exactly what you said. Like it was founded out of a horrible, horrible experience from our um, our founders. Yeah, and how has it been through 2020? Uh, I I have my guess on it and take on it. Just again, because I see so many people from New York City moving out of Manhattan. I mean, Manhattan being the epicenter and of of what COVID was with COVID and people just kind of like, well, I can't enjoy all the restaurants and all, I pay so much money to live here. Has make space business increased during this time? Yeah, I actually feel a little bit guilty. We're, we're doing amazingly well. And um, when COVID first happened, we were all, I mean, as the whole world was kind of nervous about what was it going to do to our business and, and, um, and how would people react? Um, but we were actually very quickly designated an essential service. Um, and so we were able to continue to operate. We tried to operate with hands off, no contact delivery and, and, and pickups. Um, so, but yeah, like you said, like a lot of people were moving back in with their parents. There were um, you know, people moving out of cities and people who had expensive leases who just didn't want to pay for them anymore, especially when they felt like cities were kind of dangerous. Um, just a huge amount of movement. And I think for the storage industry in particular, people weren't really sure what they were going to do. They didn't want to make new long-term commitments. So they weren't signing new leases. So they just really wanted a place to put their stuff while they tried to figure everything out. And so what people would have maybe normally been a short-term store with us, they just kind of left it because it's so easy and convenient just to have it there while they're trying to make decisions for their lives and you know what's the next chapter for them. How does the pricing work? Is it a 
SaaS-based model and how does it compare to uh, somebody using one of those cold, dark, dead body storage. <laughs> dead body storage, yeah. <laughs> so I will say that if you add up all the prices that it would take to like rent a car or rent a truck, um, you know, drive out there, get a place that you have to pay extra for. Um, we also provide like bins and blankets at no cost. So a lot of the supplies are actually paid for. It can actually be much less expensive. It's actually um, pretty comparable to the self-storage prices anyway um but just with the added convenience it's it's incredibly effective and how we price it actually it differs by um by zip codes so um you know some some areas are harder to get to like in los angeles the traffic's really bad um or new york city you know um would be different pricing than like say dallas texas um, or san antonio um so uh so we price it by size and by zip code Got it. And what's kind of the uh, footprint? Is it national? Is it available in uh, major cities, rural areas? Yeah, we're now in 31 cities. And in fact, that's about a year and a half ago, we were just in four cities. So we've been expanding really quickly. That's awesome. Are you available in San Antonio for, uh, for AJ and the crew there? That's right. <laughs> Nice, nice. Hey, yeah. Maybe if you're lucky, we can uh, get rid of our office space and put everything in. <laughs> Actually, a lot, of, a lot of offices are starting to use this as well because, you know, they're getting rid of their office space. And also, like, um, like restaurants are, um, you know, they can't operate at their traditional capacities. So they've got, like, extra tables and things like right. that. So we are becoming a really good resource for businesses as well. Yeah. And, and we've had many businesses and, and many guests on the podcast thus far and they vary right there's there's industries where they were always doing well now they're even doing better because they're solving a problem right and yeah. like, like like make space but there's others that haven't that were doing well and they're not anymore in, in certain industries so it's there's certain industries that are helping, you know, moving companies in, in New York city are through the roof. That's an industry where, where they're growing. So that's, it has an effect, you know, both positive and sometimes and negative. The whole thing is negative, obviously COVID, but you know, positive effects for business. But Miriam, talk to me about some of the, because it's the marketing stir, some of the specific marketing channels that MakeSpace uses and other companies may look to you know, benefit from? Yeah, so we actually have expanded a lot of our different um, channels. One of the things that I love about marketing is opening up new channels because, um, you know, it, each channel is not exactly predictable, right? So like Google changes their algorithm and everything goes crazy or Facebook changes something. And so having a lot of different channels open at once allows you to kind of dial levers up and down. Um, so one of the things that's kind of been surprising as, as we expanded in markets, linear TV. So something that we really hadn't done much of prior to our expansion, um, we did more on the OTT side and um, was more targeted, but it, um, but it, we've had a huge, it's had a huge impact. Um, um, it's been really successful for us um, as we've expanded into, into new markets. And is, as you are expanding, is that some of the 2021 goals? Is there a new service that you're going to be offering? Is it the goal to expand even more? Yeah, we've actually got tons of stuff up our sleeves. I'm pretty excited about what's coming up next. So in addition to new markets, we're looking at different platforms and um, they're kind of secretive right now, but um, some different partnerships 
that we're partnering with other large companies to expand our footprint. Um, I will tell you a secret where um, we're looking into even offering our services off of Amazon, which sounds really strange, but we've kind of productized our, our services into like being able to actually buy bags and then buy a discount with that bag. So they can even be sold on Amazon. Um, so things like that. That's awesome. Aaron, one of our producers found out that you actually wrote a top 10 uh, Amazon books and customer relationship. Can you tell us, you know, what prompted you to write the book and what that process was like? Sure. I will say I'm a contributing author, so not exactly a co-author. It's actually a big, huge book, and it was even used as a, um, the, the textbook for Fuqua Business School at Duke for a time. Um, I had previously worked for a company called Peppers and Rogers Group, and uh, Martha Rogers is on the board there and was a professor um, at Duke. And um, so yeah, they, they wrote a lot of publications around one-to-one -one marketing. They're kind of the pioneers in the field. Um, and uh, so when they're putting together this book, they were, they talked to a bunch of experts in CRM, customer relationship management, and I was one of them, and I was fortunate to be able to contribute to this book. And can you give us a couple of uh, takeaways from uh, your section of the book that- uh... Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, so the book was written a, a couple of years ago and uh, a few years ago. And, and at the time it was one of those things where customer relationship management was really becoming a thing. And it had shifted kind of from a business strategy into more of a technology. And so from someone who's been involved with the area for, for quite a while, seeing it become like a, a tech product was really frustrating. So part of what I write about is, you know, technology is a tool to help you with a business strategy. So it needs to be used as a tool, not as the business strategy. Um, so kind of thinking about it that way. The other thing I write about is, um, you know, becoming a customer-centric organization, especially transforming from a product-centric to a customer-centric organization, is a huge corporate transformation. And it can be very, very overwhelming. So one of the things that I recommend is breaking it down into like learning pilots. So like 90-day learning cycles where you set specific goals, you achieve those goals, you create some momentum, some early wins, and then you move on to the next goal. So I think those two things are kind of the big takeaways I would give. Thank you. We appreciate that. And that book, again, ladies and gentlemen, is Managing Customer Relationships, a Strategic Framework. And I imagine it could be, it's available on Amazon. And, I'm sure uh, it is. <laughs> so uh, that's, that, and that's also great news about, you know, the, the potential of, you know, selling the products, uh, the service on Amazon that would uh, hopefully give it a nice uh, uh, lift. Yeah. Amazon does to pretty much everything. So that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> that little old company, Amazon, right? So I want yeah. to talk a little bit more about the, uh, you know, things that surprised you the most while working at MakeSpace uh, during your time. Yeah. So I will say the first thing that really surprised me is the culture. Um, it's funny, you know, when you interview at a company, everybody talks about the culture and it's great, but everybody says that no matter where you interview, right? And it's only true at a few places. Um, and this one was actually 100% truthful. Like everybody there, um, I, I feel like they're so supportive and um, 
it's it's just been um I don't know it, it sounds kind of corny to say but it really feels like like family to me and I've only been there just a little bit over a year now and I already feel like you know it's home so that was one thing that surprised me and I think the second thing that surprised me is for a storage company it really is customer centric they care so much about the customer um, and maybe this is tied actually to the, the culture of the company as well it's just a very um, caring type culture and so every single customer um, is important to the company and I have seen our CEO there'd be a problem with a customer and he would personally call them he spent hours on the phone talking directly with customers who didn't have a stellar experience and just to let them know that that's not okay that's not the way that we do business and we care about every single customers and we're going to make it right that that is you know very unique and it was kind of you went into a little bit to my follow-up question there what was kind of like what sets make space apart from other storage companies because and to my knowledge and again you know you, you'll know way better than me i haven't heard of anything else like this you see the storage companies out there like uh when you go down the highway there's billboards different companies that are, are there but that's in the traditional sense as i see it so yeah. what else as opposed to the you know the culture having a customer centric a CEO that gets on the phone, that's the customer service right there is, is through the roof, the personal touch. What else would you say, Miriam? Um, well, I think one of the biggest things that sets us apart is we have a partnership with a company called Iron Mountain, which is a $4.6 billion company that I mean, a lot of people haven't heard of, um, but they do um, document storage and, um, and shredding and, um, and um, data services for a lot of the Fortune 500 type companies. Um, and they have the facilities to store all of our stuff, which enabled us to grow from four to 31 markets in you know, a year and a half. Um, so, so they've been amazing. Uh, storage itself is super capital intensive. And so without a partner like Iron Mountain, it would have taken us so much longer to be able to expand like we are, and that's in just geography. Um, we're also able to expand our products and our services. Um, we, we tag team with them, and so we can offer all of their services to our customers as well, so like document shredding and secure destruction of um, IT equipment and things like that, we're also able to offer to our consumers. So that's probably the, the biggest one. It's, you know, our, there are some smaller competitors, and um, they're more local, um, that do what we do, but they're, they're none that have our footprint. Miriam, as you're going from city to city, how are you getting your kind of marketing out? What are, what are some of the channels that you're focusing on? Yeah, so we use a number of different channels, everything from direct mail to, um, we did some stuff with radio, some radio personalities. We offered them free storage and they, they talked about their experience with us to make it really authentic. Um, linear TV, I was talking about. Um, we do YouTube search, paid social. Um, we have some influencers, like unit affiliates email, you name it. Like if there's a channel that we haven't explored, <laughs> I'll be surprised. Gotcha. Sounds like you guys are pretty open to trying a number of different strategies. I love it. I mean, honestly, because, you know, what works today may not work tomorrow. So having done that research, understanding, having tested things, um, it just makes us much more nimble and able to, to pivot as needed. Yeah. 
And are there certain kind of software and tools, whether this job or others that uh, you love that marketers would benefit from? Hmm. Um, I think that our affiliate platform is pretty cool. So we use Impact um, as our platform, and that has enabled us to work with other partners. Like anyone can find up to be an affiliate. So, um, and it just means that they get a uh, some kind of financial reward for for selling our our services. And you went. Let's talk about marketing. You you said you almost you felt like you just started doing marketing just a, a couple of years ago. What do you love most about marketing? I think the fast-paced, um, like ever-evolving nature of it, and the kind of complexity about how the different channels interact with each other. Um, it's funny if you talk to a CFO, they'll talk about like, oh, display channels not performing well, or you know, and, and they look at it very individualistically. But in reality, it's kind of a portfolio approach. It's the combination of all the different touch points together and how they impact a person's um, uh, feelings about a product or service, and and ultimately creating that behavior to buy or uh, buy more or refer others. Um, but I, I think it's just the complexity of it and the, the number of channels and how they play off of each other and all the data that we get and how we're able to use that. It's just, it's, it's a super fun, fun area to be in. Yeah, no, I enjoy it. I've been in marketing now for 20 years and it's, it's been fun just seeing how it's evolved and changed and, and now getting to talk about it a couple of times a week on the marketing stir on top of the everyday conversations I'm having with my clients, but it's been uh, pretty cool. So Miriam, you mentioned the culture feels like a family. Were you going into the office before? Uh, is the office in New York City? Uh, what was happening there? And then how has make space been able to keep up the morale and keep employees engaged during this time yeah so the office is it, it still is in new york city and um, down in the financial district and uh, i was living in new jersey and i was commuting in um and i did i it's funny when i first joined i thought that i wouldn't be going in five days a week just because it was a long commute um but just because I really enjoyed my colleagues and I enjoyed the office environment, I actually never even worked from home on Fridays. I went in every day. Um, and so I was a little bit nervous about when we started working remotely and how that was gonna work because the culture was so strong. Um, but we have someone who's been like our huge culture champion. I think her role has kind of changed from office manager to, to culture guru, I don't know what her title is, um, but she's great at it. So she creates Zoom happy hours every day um, for my own team. We were meeting every day, but now we're meeting three days a week in the morning. And, um, and I've heard some people say, oh, you should talk about like personal stuff for the first two to three minutes of every meeting. I'm like, I think we spend like 15 minutes talking yeah, about personal it. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like for Halloween, we all dressed up for our Zoom call and costumes and it was just really fun. Um, we had a, no, we had a, no, we had a onsite, I mean, offsite. Um, even at my house and everybody wore masks and we were social distance, but like we found a way to get together. Um, it, it, we've really made it work. Uh, the team is great. Everybody's been super supportive. Um, and I think it, it's just, it's over thinking about and over communicating and um, 
not just accepting like these are just the meetings that I have to go to, but for me, it's constantly thinking about like, how do we keep up these relationships? And we've got new people starting and onboarding um, in these times. And it's just, you just have to think about how do we do things differently? How do we make sure we create those bonds with the team? Before AJ, your question, I have, what were your team's Halloween costumes? What was it a theme? Were you guys like, we're all going to be like the Brady Bunch or we're all going to be <laughs> whatever, like ninjas. I don't know. <laughs> we all did our own thing. Um, I will say I was uh, Moira Rose from Schitt's oh, Creek. Oh, <laughs> I love that show. I do too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love okay. it. The Bebes. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. People it's oh man i love we could talk that's a whole podcast where you and i can talk about that show that's, that's a great costume it was fun but no themes no that would have been great if everyone dressed up like Shit's creek characters That'd be funny. <laughs> all right go ahead sorry yeah, no so uh i started watching that show because my daughter's name is moira mm-hmm. and everybody would say hey you know this show and it was like no i don't know this show so i had to start watching it it's pretty good I oh it's great yeah. I enjoy it. So Miriam, what, what does the marketing team look like? What are some of the key roles within your department? Yeah. So we have kind of three basic parts of the marketing team, actually four now. Um, we have the acquisition side, which does, you know, like the paid search and paid social. We have the brand side, which actually helps through the video and the TV commercials and PR um, influencers. Um, and then we also have something we have called a director of lifecycle marketing, but that's really focusing on different customer segments and understanding their needs and the types of messaging that would be most impactful for those groups. Um, and I say almost four. We're also, like I said, I think I mentioned before, doing things with partnerships now. And so the business development side of that, it's a whole different stream of work, but it also kind of melds nicely into the marketing function. And do you see, a, I'm guessing based on your business, you see probably a lot of repeat business and uh, people coming back a lot. So how do you kind of keep your current customers engaged with the brand? Yeah, it's funny because when you think about self-storage, a lot of times people are saying like, don't even talk to them because they're in storage, they're paying for it. You don't want to remind them that they're paying for storage. (laughs) (laughs) So we we take a customer engagement kind of delicately, right? Um, And we make sure that if we're communicating with current customers, we're providing them value because, you know, they don't want the random messages from their storage company unless it's something that they find valuable. Um, but we do try to communicate with them, especially if we're offering new services that they may not know about, that they may benefit from. Um, they're also, you know, they're using their app, they're bringing things back and then sending other things. I think what happens is customers find our service so easy that they think that they're just going to store for like three months, but then they say, oh, well, I can just get that one thing back and I can keep everything else in storage and I can send it back whenever I want to. Like, that's way too easy. So then they end up sending more stuff back um so so the, mo- the most thing that we, we communicate with our current customers that is just you know new offerings that we have and any like updates or um or things that are going on that might be helpful for them we also have a blog that's really popular and it's all about like decluttering and cleaning and tips and um we get a ton of traffic to that site so um we have a monthly newsletter so we'll create um send out some articles and some content to, um from that the site 
Well, for that blog and information, just go right to makespace.com. <laughs> that's something, the decluttering and the organization, that's something that's huge just in general right now. But, you know, you, you were talking about Schitt's Creek and a Netflix show. There's a lot of Get Organized is another one on there. So anyway, we could just talk about Netflix shows all day, uh, Miriam, on this uh, podcast. <laughs> but, but I also let me switch gears because there are topics that we love to cover and they don't have to do with marketing, but we love talking about these themes just because of Starista's involvement, AJ's involvement, myself as well. The nonprofit fundraising sector, you've been involved with Play Like a Girl for many years. Talk to us about your involvement and talk to us about that organization. Yeah, it's, um, it's something that's, that's near and dear to my heart. It's, um, it's very supportive of young women in sports and also in STEM. We've kind of taken a little bit of an angle um, but because so many women uh, or young girls are, are not getting involved in the sciences and math and engineering type programs. Um, and I think it's, we found that it's kind of similar to sports. They get to like that middle school age and they just don't feel comfortable or they feel like their stigmas attached to it. And so part of Play Like a Girl's mission is to kind of break through those stigmas and like give the girls the confidence to be able to stay in sports and, and, and go into some of these, um, these kind of male dominated disciplines. Because there's so many research studies that show that girls who play in sports and play on especially team sports. They do so much better in business. There's so many life lessons about playing on a team and working together that you just don't get if you're not on a sports team. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That's uh, and and you've been part of the organization in 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 what uh, capacity as far as just uh, believing in it, donating to it, uh, being part of it. Yeah, I was also um, um, a board member. They have a national board of directors um, for two years, and I was and recently um and just supportive of it always you know offering mentorship attending clinics and um, playing with the girls and um, awesome. it's just a great organization that's awesome that's uh, play like a girl ladies and gentlemen we always like to bring attention to that for those guests who are involved in you know charitable organizations which most of them are which we love and appreciate so you talked about some of the changes uh, or some of the things that have surprised you at uh, at, at make space what are some of the things you know a maybe surprised you over your career but more importantly what were some shining moments that you would say uh of, of your career thus far as a whole oh, wow um we get deep on these questions here Mary. we don't mess around <laughs> on the marketing stare you are um so one of my shining moments i would say is after leaving peppers and rogers group which is a consulting company that focused on one-to-one -one marketing and um, this is right around 9 11 so i'm going to age myself and um, but uh, a friend of a friend knew about microsoft was going out for this rfp they wanted to create a uh, affinity program for their OEMs, which basically means kind of like a loyalty program for some of their um, uh, business clients. So, um, so yeah, so a couple of my buddies and I went after this RFP. I didn't have a company. I didn't, I didn't really have any legal right to be putting together a response to this RFP. But um, one thing led to another, we won the contract and we won again, Spain, Mercer, Digitas, and one other company. And it was me and my band of like five consultants that, that used to work at Peppers and Rogers Group. And um, 
so we didn't even have like literally the legal right to to be bidding on this so they ended up putting us through kelly services because they had a preferred um, vendor relationship with Microsoft. And so we did this project. It was hugely successful. I mean, it actually created billions of dollars for Microsoft. Um, and it was just, you know, five of us on our own kind of creating this thing. So that was a huge win. It was also the emphasis of me starting my own company, which I had for 13 years, um, because that was our first client. And then our second client was AMD. And it just kind of went on from there. Um, but that was, yeah, it was a huge moment for me. That's awesome. And Miriam, one of the questions we like to ask sort of the uh, staple question here is I'm sure with your job title, you get a lot of, uh, junk messages, especially on LinkedIn, <laughs> right? So I do. We would love to know what kind of some of your uh, pet peeves are in those messages and kind of one that uh, gets through and gets a reply from you. Yeah, so one of my pet peeves is my middle name is Washington. And so sometimes it comes up as my first name is Miriam Washington. So whenever someone just writes to me and says, you know, hey, Miriam Washington, I know they don't know me. I know they, <laughs> I'm part of an auto dialer or something, um, but it, it's not personal at all. Um, so if they haven't done their research, if they don't know who Makespace is, a, a lot of times people also try to treat us like a retailer and we're just a very different type of service. So if they don't know anything about the business, it's just pretty annoying. The other thing I find annoying is, is sometimes people get kind of aggressive and kind of mean, like, you know, you haven't responded to me. Like, this is my third message. What's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm busy. <laughs> or maybe I'm ignoring you for a reason. <laughs> um, but the things that, that do get my attention or, um, you know, if they offer like content or something helpful, or I noticed on your site that such and such could be improved or, you know, if they're very specific and they offer something of value, um, you know, if obviously if they know someone that I know that always helps. Um, but I think just knowing kind of the, the company and kind of the things that we're going through, um, I could get on these pet peeve things forever, but uh, like another, <laughs> another pet peeve is just assuming that they know what my problems are. Like, are you having problems with lead gen? Like, no, actually I'm not, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> when they just talk to you about problems that they are like, I know you're having problems. Everybody's having problems with this. <laughs> You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, Miriam, if you were born in Texas, uh, Miriam Washington could be your first name. <laughs> yeah. I lived in Dallas for a few years, but not born there. <laughs> uh, so kind of one other question for you related to more personal side of things. How's the pandemic been for you? Pick up any new hobbies, anything interesting you've been doing on the side? Yeah, well, we did move during the pandemic was quite an adventure. Um, we were actually homeless for a month, which was kind of interesting. Um, but we stayed out of different hotels all over the kind of the East Coast. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, I spent a lot of time with my dog, who has become very codependent upon me. I always say I can never go back to the office or she's going to have a meltdown. Um, she's always by my side. But it's just been nice to be with um, family. I've got three kids and a um, husband and lots of pets and just it's been nice now that we're settled into our new house mm -hmm. sounds like you had like a real life shit's creek going on yeah good reference aj see you are watching the show i love it yeah well let's and then let's talk about that because now it's like a, a point where 
you know, I have a question about consulting too, but let's get to the personal side. Uh, you know, what have you been watching? Shit's Creek, right? Is that something that's been passing the time? Uh, yeah. Books that you're reading. It could be a, a business book that you read that helps. Um, that you've been doing the past the time. Should everyone just get a dog and move? Like, what? What? Uh, what do you recommend? Everyone should get a dog, but everyone should not move. Not move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you're going to use make space, you can move, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, a lot of lot of chaos. Let's see. Um, so one audio book I've listened to recently is Start With Why, um, which is, I think it's a classic. It's actually really, really good. And I think for all marketers, especially kind of like in turbulent times where people are just like chasing the fad things, I think just kind of bringing you back to the fundamentals of, um, of, of why you're in business, you know, what problems are you solving? I think you said this earlier, Vincent, and it's really important to be doing a service for people. Um, so I think that's a really good one. Uh, I just started watching The Good Place. Um, oh, yeah. Bell. I wanted to see that. Kristen Bell, Ted Danson. Those, yeah. two are, those two are TV royalty. I want to get into that, too. Michael Shore is the same one who created The Office and everything. I've been watching that with my eight-year-old, and it, it seems to be appropriate. Shit's Creek a little less appropriate, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. And then, yeah, I, I totally see the frustration with moving my, my my wife and i we just moved but within new york city we we stayed in new york city stayed in our neighborhood of tribeca that we we have been here for 10 years but it's it's frustrating it's a lot of time especially we have small children and we just uh, we had a babysitter come in for six hours on saturday we rarely do that on the saturday where you know hey stick them with a the babysitter but we did and we were able to get stuff done hang pictures, everything, but it's, we took advantage of the lower quote unquote, lower rents that New York city's having right now. So, but it is a pain to move. I wanted to go back to just something because we talked about marketing and your roles now, but what do you miss about consulting? Is there, uh, what did you like about consulting? You know, I loved, <laughs> it's funny. My personality has kind of changed over time, but I really loved the structure of consulting projects. There were like very specific deliverables. There was a time frame. There were milestones. And so you knew when you were successful. When you work, I call it client side still, but when you work for a company, everything's a little bit more fluid. And sometimes you're going forward, sometimes you're going backwards. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's a little bit more, make space is actually great with this, but in general, I think client side is a little more, um, um, kind of politicized and, and there's politics going on. And so there's lots of things to weigh in. But when you're consulting, it's, it's very objective and it feels like this is the right way to do things. And it's, it, you can see problems, I think, a little bit more clearly when you're a little bit removed from it. Um, so I do, miss, I do miss those aspects of it. But I will say, like having worked for kind of a couple of startups now, like I've really learned to kind of roll with it which was not my style before, I will say. I was not a roll with it kind of girl. I like my structure, I like my budgets. Um, but to this day, like I'm still like very particular about my goals and I'm very particular about budgets. Like I tell the team, we will never ever <laughs> miss a goal. We will never miss a budget, you know, um, unless there's a lot of like lead time and we socialize it well ahead of time. But um, yeah, that's what I miss the most. Nice. Miriam, it's been great having you on the podcast and uh, 
love your uh, energy and your smile for those of you who are will watch this on video how do you kind of keep your spirits up and uh, how do you kind of go about uh, keeping happy thanks sometimes i fake it <laughs> but it tends to work pretty well <laughs> you know i scream and complain a lot to my husband after <laughs> but no i mean generally i i really really enjoy what i do i love um my team is amazing the management at make space is really really incredible i feel so fortunate to be where i am um and also i think it's just but I'm always looking at the bright side of things like, you know, life's going to throw you curveballs all the time. It's just what happens. Right. And especially if you're someone who's like kind of ambitious and you like to take risks and you like to push the envelope and do things differently, you're just going to constantly be on that in, in that world. Right. And so I think you just have to always look at the bright side and how to make things work and how to be creative if they're not working, how to turn things around. Um, but I think that's part of the fun of, of life and, and, and what I do. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I try to live life like that as well. Stay happy. I was class happiest 1996, Porchester High it. School. Porchester High School. And that's great. Miriam, our new friend, Miriam Kendall, ladies and gentlemen from MakeSpace. Check out makespace.com. Yeah, reach out to Miriam on LinkedIn, but you heard some of her requirements, right? So uh, take it easy, learn something about her. Don't call her Miriam Washington. That is your middle name. But this has been awesome, Miriam. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Miriam Kendall. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.